figured most of you staying up all night uh, would not be able to be conscious here this morning, but if you're like me, I would like to say I was fast asleep at midnight, um, but I would like to say any night of the week I was fast asleep at midnight one night. <laughs> Joe just gave me a lecture this morning because apparently I emailed him at one, what was it, one, 147. Um, so <laughs> if you don't believe that I stay up all night and still come and preach, you know, Joe will tell you, I do. Uh, feel good too. You know, you get used to it after a while. Who needs sleep? Um, no, at some point I do need it. Um, as we begin this year, a couple things we're going to do. I want to, now I know the kids have, I've left the kids here for just a minute. All right, we'll let the kids go in a minute. All right, and if I forget, then Holly or Jesse yell at me or somebody yell at me. Um, uh, what a great way to start out 2023 with a focus on our, our missions. Uh, it's always great uh, as a church that has a commitment to missions. It's great having um, Mike. It's still good seeing you here. I haven't gotten, I mean, it's always nice seeing Anna Mae, and that's always a nice. I never really like seeing you till you know, your near-death experience in Columbia. Um, you, I, did I ask you, did you see the light or anything? Did you see a tunnel? Did you see? You missed that, huh? That, that could be a bad indicator. Um, <laughs> we could have an invitation now. Um, but uh, now we love you, brother. So glad to have you back, uh, you know, back. And then, of course, uh, Stephen and Ari. I think I saw Stephen there back here as our missionaries to Columbia uh, who came home with dad and uh, glad to have them. So missions is really important to us around here. And when I get back in February, I'll be giving you a really uh, a very significant update, both on the church build or the the not so much a church. The outreach building in the Manila Cemetery uh, is, is, we got information on that. And then our building, uh, the newest building in Ethiopia in Jajara, Jajara in South uh, Central Ethiopia. I'm uh, going to have some information on that because my good friends, our good friends, one of our other missionaries, John and Sue Conrad with the Carpenters Project, John is going to Ethiopia. He's leaving here in a few days. So when I, by the time I get back, he will have been to Ethiopia and, Lord willing, been to, to the site of our new church build uh, with Pastor Tashita and Pastor Naguro uh, and get an update and have pictures. So it's going to be great. But today, I thought we always like to begin New Year reminded of our focus on missions because, you know, our DNA around here is about three things, right? Great grace. You guys can have global missions, genuine family. All right, we can do better. Great grace. Global missions, genuine family. That's what we're about. It's our DNA. Um, and Erica, see, it's still rocking it, man. That, that, you know, she just, oh, it's been a long time ago you designed that at this point, right? She, don't give me that. I love that thing. Um, so at any rate, uh, as many of you know, one of our missionaries retired from the field this year, Dr. Joy, who I love very, very deeply. She uh, just felt it's her time to step aside. I know she's going to stay busy knowing her, but she said she no longer needs our financial support. December was her last month. I do have, matter of fact, Pastor Cody and Erica, did he tell you that, that we wanted to get a box together for them? Okay, he did. All right. I know how men are famous. In a staff meeting, Pastor Cody doesn't get home to the wife. But we're going to put together something. We're get, working on something that we can send to her just as a token of our appreciation for her service. Uh, Dr. Joy, as a matter of fact, led Erica to the Lord. Um, and Karen, did you go on mission trips with her, Karen? Did you ever go on the field with Dr. Joy? Twice. Twice. All right. So Dr. Joy's significant missionary to our, to our church. Well, um, about a few years ago, we had a missionary that came through, and they've been on the waiting list until we've really had an opening. And so this morning, um, after meeting with the men's leadership team this last week, I want to present to you... Uh, Eddie and Rita Arendell, and they are going to fill that slot. They came presented. Some of you may not even remember. It's been a while. 
but this is a missionary that's good friends with John and Sue Conrad, again, a connection with them. And they founded and pastored a church out of Washington, D.C. for about 15 years. And then they felt the call of God to go back to where they're from, which is the Caribbean. They are originally from the St. Thomas area and, and St. John Island down in that area. And they are back in, they've been there now for three, four, five years probably. And they do church planning and he does mentoring and uh, trying to get these small churches that have no pastors. Uh, many of the older guys are retiring or going off the scene and he helps fill those uh, leading new men into there. Um, and so I'm really excited. The great thing about these two is that Jen and I, for the last several years, when we, we leave for our annual January trip, we make sure that our boat goes into St. Thomas, and we have been with them on their field now, well, pre-COVID, for several years pre-COVID, and have been able to go to the churches they're, they're working at and meet some of the, the folks there in St. Thomas. And so every year, it's a missionary that, you know, I, I'm probably going to go visit every year. <laughs> they're going to be one of my, sorry, Stephen. Now, the boat does go down to Cartagena every now and then, so if you could just do that 10-minute drive. Uh, you can meet us there, yeah. What would that be, a 10-hour drive? Oh, yeah, yeah, I figured, okay, okay, all right, sorry. So um, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, to partner with these folks. They're good folks. They, they, they love the Lord, and I think our ministry is going to be blessed as we partner with them. At the end of the service today, Jenny has some information I'm going to leave out there. If you want to read up on more specifics about him, matter of fact, he has a degree from Liberty University as well, like Pastor Danny does, so we won't hold that against him. And, uh, you know, sorry, that was funny. I thought that was funny. Okay. Nobody likes that. Yeah, okay. All right. I think he has a master's degree, too, from Liberty. Yeah. I think he has two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he and I, have had, over the years, have had a lot of time to talk about, uh, which is important to me, that he's free grace-minded. You know, in other words, he's not a Calvinist. And he's very involved. They're trying to start up a Bible college there, a seminary that used to be there that is shut down. And, and I think we can have an influence on there. My desire is one day I'm, I'm down there teaching a class on soteriology. I would love to be, you know, like not full-time. Don't worry. <laughs> Honestly, if you're in St. Thomas, two things bother me. Number one, it's too hot. For even for me, for my disease, it's too hot. Number two, the highest speed limit on the island is 35 miles an hour. And I think they could catch me in the island, you know. <laughs> and they'd be going, who is that guy? Um, so, at any rate, uh, but I would like to go there and teach a little bit one day. That's one, one of my beliefs, and so you pray. All right? All right, our young people can now make their way out to this morning, and you're watching us online. Thank you for tuning in. We like to start the year with a focus on missions, and there you have it. So, be praying uh, for Rita, Eddie, and Rita Erringdale. Matter of fact, We'll try to get some uh, updated uh, prayer cards when we go down there. And uh, here we should be seeing them, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. And be, be great, no? Not that long? Jenny knows exactly, the 11th? Something like that. So praise the Lord for that. They don't know, by the way. I'm going to get to tell them in person that we're picking them up for support. They don't know that, so be fun. Maybe we should video that. You know, they can send them some. All right, y'all good? All right, we're all good. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. If I can find it myself here in the Bible. It's in the New Testament, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 12. And this morning, as we begin 2023, I want to begin with a focus on, again, back to our DNA, where great grace is foundational to what we believe and so I felt God bring me to this topic of grace, and this morning's title is Sufficient Grace. 
sufficient grace. Aren't you glad for the grace of God this morning? You know, the grace of God is one of those things that, you know, you can go to the Greek word charis and you can talk about what it means, you know, the unmerited favor of God and loving kindness, which are accurate ones. But the, the word grace is, is really one of those words that's really hard to fully encapsulate. It, it, it's kind of hard to quantify uh, into words. But for example, you know a graceful person when you see them whether it is their demeanor or whether it is their, you know, maybe they're graceful if they're an athlete on an athletic field. And how about the Roll Tide one yesterday, didn't they? Yeah. Not the game they wanted to win, but hey, you know, we all can't be in the thing every year. It's okay. It's okay. How about that though? I couldn't believe that Ohio State stayed with Georgia. That kind of surprised me. So a little bit of props to the Big Ten, just a little, right? SEC people? No? No, the, the, if you're watching, they're not giving the Big Ten any props, all right? Uh, so, I know, go, go dogs. Are y'all going dogs? No. If, if you're watching, if Alabama's not in it, they just don't care. They don't care, you know? So, I, I've learned to accept it. DT's tried to teach me over the years. I'm, I'm all right. Any rate, all right, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin with this t- today, 2023, this idea of grace, sufficient grace. Now, our context here in the greater part of this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul had been there and visited, and when he did, and God was doing a work, as always happens, the critics came in and started causing problems and, and criticizing Paul and his apostleship. And one of the purposes for the letter of 2 Corinthians is Paul is defending his apostleship. Do you know sometimes it's okay for you to defend yourself. Sometimes we're told in Christianity we're always supposed to just keep your mouth shut and say nothing. Now, that's probably the best default position, but there does come a time where things need to be defended. And so Paul in chapter 11 has been going through the different things he'd gone through, uh, the struggles, the, the pains, the things that he'd paid as an apostle, the things the way God had used him. And then he gets to chapter 12, And he goes further and he says, I even want to tell you of some of the visions and revelations that I have had. So before we begin to read chapter 12, verse number one, let me have a quick word of prayer. Then let's begin to read the scripture. Lord Jesus, thank you again for today. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the new opportunity that 2023 brings. Thank you, Lord, that uh, wherever we go, you're already there with us and that your grace is sufficient. It's enough. It's always, always up to what our needs are. Lord, I pray that as we focus a few minutes today on your word, may we be encouraged. And Lord, if there's one here today who does not know you as their personal savior, they don't know your saving grace, may they come to that realization of their need today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Chapter 12, verse number one, Paul writes to the church of Corinth, it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He goes, I really don't want to be, you know, boasting of myself. Uh, It's not the purpose here, but I need to explain to you that I have had visions and revelations. He says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into into paradise and heard unspeakable words which are not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet not of myself, I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, But now I forbear, lest any should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth uh, of me. So Paul begins this and tells him an experience, and he goes into third person. Most people believe he's referring to himself. 
And he tells him about a time when he was caught up into heaven. Now, Paul is very clear. He wasn't sure if he was fully dead or if it was a, only a, a spiritual thing and he never did completely die. He wasn't sure. Now, most Bible scholars or Bible teachers believe that Paul is referring to a time you can read about in the book of Acts when Paul was at a town called Lystra and he was preaching there and the Jews, the, the Orthodox Jews got really mad at him. They drug him out of the city and they stoned him. And most people think Paul literally died and this is when he went there because Paul says about 14 years ago. Now we can never be completely sure on all the chronology. Some guys think they're more dogmatic than I think they ought to be. But roughly speaking, the time of Lystra and when we think this letter was written tend to line up, but we can't be really sure. Uh, the, the bottom line is that Paul says this happened to him 14 years earlier, and best we can tell by the context, Paul had never shared this with anybody. You know, today, if you were to die like Mike Jones and go to heaven like Mike Jones, and you came back like Mike Jones, most people today would have a best-selling book out by next month that'd be number one on Amazon. We're working on it. Mike's working on it. All right, stay tuned. It's coming. All, right? All proceeds go to Open Door Baptist Church. Drive in what? Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, today I, I get a little concerned. Now, I, I don't have a strong feeling. Some folks, they, they've had near-death experiences. I don't want to be an end-all on that. I don't know. I'm not going to be dogmatic one way or another. I think it can be possible. But all I know is that one of the most godly men that ever lived that went to heaven he kept 14 years, he kept it to himself, and the only reason he brought it up now was in defense of his apostleship and of the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. He also says what he saw, he wouldn't really know how to put into words. And we know that Paul was one of the most uh, verbose individuals very verbal under the, you know, obviously the Holy Spirit, God wrote stuff, but Paul seems like he was pretty good with the pen. My, again, I just, I do have some concern with some of the naivety of believers today when it comes to what Hollywood and even sometimes, dare I say, Christian films, what they portray. Now, I'm not, again, don't, don't, don't go crazy on this like some of my far rightists do, you know, no, no. I'm just saying when, when you're watching a television show, Always remember, it's a television show. It's a movie. The only thing that we can fully depend on is the Word of God. And sometimes I get concerned today where these things are elevated to an unhealthy point. But, and he also says he went to the third heaven. There's a lot of discussion about this. Maybe Pastor Danny will do a C4C video on this. He can, he can correct me on this. But the, of the, in the mindset of the day, the Jewish mindset, when, when Paul says the third heaven, no, he's not trying to teach there's different degrees of heaven like maybe my, so I think my Mormon friends might teach, which, by the way, this next week, Jen and I are going to be uh, with our friends from Adams Road Ministry, speaking of Mormons, uh, folks that came out of Mormonism. We're going to see them again this week down in uh, Central Florida. And then we're going to go see John and Sue Conrad in uh, uh, one of our missionaries, and we're going to see, this is a missions trip. I think this trip should be right offable. As the IRS goes after $600, if you get Venmo or Pen PayPal for $600, oh yeah, they're not coming after the little guy. Okay, I, I don't want to get off on that. You guys get me going. Yeah. You know if the politician is lying is when they're talking. Um, yeah, lips are moving. That'll do it. 
But the third heaven from the Jewish perspective is simply this. They consider the first heaven our atmosphere, the second heaven the stars and the galaxies that they could see, and they consider the third heaven the very presence of God. And so I personally would hold to this view that Paul is simply saying he went into the very presence of God, okay? Um, and, and either way, Paul had been given a tremendous privilege. But he talks about, before we get to verse 7, that he, he had no desire to glory, but he understood when you're given this kind of privilege that it comes with responsibility. So notice in verse number 7 of chapter 12, our text goes on and says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should exalt, be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So now Paul tells us because he was given this great privilege, God wants to make sure he doesn't get too full of himself. You see us type A individuals that God gives a microphone to generally have a tendency to, uh, when God uses us, to get tempted to think that it's about me and not about him. And even Paul is acknowledging that that's a temptation he would face. So God says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a thorn in your flesh. Now I know if you're married here today, he's not talking about your marriage. Although in the Greek, it might say DT in the Greek. I don't know. Um, Delta Thay. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Thay. Tommy Thay. Um, now, it's interesting, though, that Greek word when it says thorn, the, the root word has the idea of a stake. Not like a stake, like a ribeye. That sounds good. Like a tent stake. Like a Dracula stake. Paul goes, God gave me a stake. And I don't know about you, but the thought of a stake or a large thorn being driven into my flesh is a very painful thing. And then Paul goes on to say, and then God let Satan send a messenger to buffet me. And you know what Satan's messenger was buffeting with was with his thorn in the flesh. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been beaten up by Satan? Ever, isn't it strange how somehow, way, Satan knows the weakness areas of our life? And by the way, how can he do that? Because he's had his entire life, your entire life, to evaluate and know who you are. And Satan seems very good at knowing where our weak spots are. And then he comes along and he buffets us with it. He beats us with it over and over and over and over again. And like any of us, Paul begins to pray about it and says, Lord, I'd be a much better servant if you take this away. And Paul prays three times, and you all know the story. Paul says, please, Lord, take it away. This is a guy who healed people, brought people back from the dead, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, was penning Scripture. Seems to me if a guy like that would pray just to get some kind of thorn removed, it would happen, Right? And yet we have people today that would say, well, you just have enough faith. You just need to speak a word over it and then bless God, it's going to go away. No, 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 no. Sometimes God gives us a thorn and he allows it to stay. Not wrong to pray, not wrong to ask, but sometimes the answer is what we find in verses 9 and 10, which brings us to our text this morning. Verse 9, the Bible goes on to say, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Jesus says to Paul, no, 
No to the healing, no to the relief. But instead, he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Isn't that a great truth? All right, church, I want you to say this with me this morning together, right? I'll wake you all up. My grace is sufficient for thee. One more time. My grace is sufficient for thee. I want this morning, my goal this morning is when you leave here, I want that phrase to rattle around in your brain. And I pray my goal would be that throughout 2023, as what lies ahead, which let's all acknowledge we don't know what tomorrow holds. And we have learned in our church in the recent weeks to, to not take tomorrow for granted. But I am thankful to know that whatever happens to you in 2023, whatever happens to us in 2023, whatever happens to this nation in 2023, as a child of God, I know that his grace is sufficient for me. You see, Paul understood this truth. And here's my KCS quote for the week that I forgot to get to Allie back there, so you have no good slide. That's not really her fault. That's mine. Although, if you were really a good media person, you'd know what I want, and you would ask me and get it done ahead of time. But nonetheless, so I'm taking applications for a new media person. Um, I'm just kidding. She's my daughter, okay? I, I can't fire her even if I want to, um, which I don't. But this is my quote for today. When we are full of ourselves, it is impossible to be full of him. When I'm full of myself, it's impossible to be full of Christ. And Paul had this perspective, and that's why he said a thorn was given to him. Think about that. The context, Paul looks at it as a, like, almost like a gift. Man, imagine that, but you got your Christmas gift this year. You know, I was talking to somebody before church, and some of my medical needs, one of my least favorite tests. I get a lot of tests done on me, and one of my least favorite tests is called a nerve conduction test. And that's where they hook up one part of your body, the most tender part for me. It's the small of my knee, and then they hook an electrode down at the bottom of my toes, and then they run amazing amounts of electricity from there to there. Right? Anybody else had one of those in here this morning? Aren't they fun tests? Woo! What if you got that for Christmas? Paul recognized and made a choice and understood that when he was humble and weak, that grace abounds. As the Bible teaches, where there's pride, grace is driven away, and where there is humility, grace multiplies. And so this year, my very brief thought to you is I I, I want you to think this year, whatever comes across, whenever you think I just can't take it, Remember that Jesus says to his children, my grace is sufficient for thee. I'm so glad that Jesus says, my grace. You know, I'm a pretty graceful person. No, I'm not, really. Okay, that was a little humor. My wife is a graceful person. But if this year, what you need to get through completely depends on me and how nice I can be to you to make you feel better, ask DT, it doesn't work. But... It's not my grace, which is very limited. He makes a promise that it's Jesus' grace. It's God's grace. It's his unmerited favor. It's his loving kindness. And I'll tell you, uh, as a, 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 all people that are under the sound of my voice this morning, I pray there's been a time where you have received the gift of grace, which is the gift of eternal life, the finished work of Jesus Christ, and experienced personally the greatest measure and demonstration of the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ, God leaving heaven and becoming flesh and living a perfect life, becoming our spotless lamb, then shedding his blood on a cross 
and rising again that he could offer you and I a simple free gift of eternal life. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's only through grace. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though you've done a lot of wrong things and bad things and violated the purpose in which God created you and I violated the purpose for which God created me, we call it sin and and we all sinned and yet God came and shed his blood and rose again and paid that price for me and for you. He died for us. And Jesus would say in John 5, 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, present tense, everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death, eternal death, unto eternal life. Woo, that's good grace, isn't it? Now you've heard me say, and oftentimes I think Christians want so much from God and we get mad at God when he doesn't answer our prayer. And we say, I've prayed at least three times, God, and, and you haven't answered my prayer. And we get offended at God and God has allowed something in our life that I don't like, that's painful to me, that I don't think I deserve and whatever. And I've prayed and prayed and God doesn't seem to answer. And instead of adopting the, 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 the truth that, that God's grace is sufficient for me, instead, I, I basically, I say it isn't sufficient for me. And I get angry at God. I get bitter at God. I, I decide I'm going to quit on God and uh, boy oh boy does your life get better when you quit on God Satan may give you a short term but I've never I said this many times now I'm an older guy and most of my mentors have went on to be home on home with the Lord but the guys that I have known that have lived their life for Christ I've never one time heard any of them ever tell me hey I wish I'd have done it different not one time Paul knew there was a heaven. He'd been there. So by deduction, if he knew there was eternal life for the believers, he also knew there was eternal separation for God from God for unbelievers. I don't fully understand as a human being the concept of eternity and heaven and even the full concept of what hell will be. But if you take it for how Jesus described it, it's not a good place. And maybe God is going to allow you and myself some things in our life that are painful that we wish he would take away. But for some of his purposes, to give us humility and weakness and a constant sense that, God, I need you, recognizing that when we have that mindset, God's grace is abundant upon us, God's power is then upon us, and we are effective in the ministry. Who's not going to be in hell because of you? Anybody? Is, is there anybody when you get to heaven that, that was going to come up to you and say, Hey, I appreciate you're the one that came over that time I was sick and you just came over and you said, I'm going to mow your lawn just because you wanted to show grace to me and then you, you invited me to church or it brought me in or whatever and that act of kindness that you did unto the Lord led me to a, a, a saving place with my Savior and receiving that free gift. Is there anybody? What a disaster to get to heaven and say, is there anybody? And there's nobody there that says, oh, you were instrumental in me getting to heaven. 
And then we say, well, Jesus, it's because, you know, I had this problem and I had that problem. You let this in my life and I prayed about this. And if you'd have taken those things out, well, then I'd have served you. And Jesus looks, he says, no, I gave you those things. I allowed them in your life, all that pain that you're running from. I gave it to you. I allowed it. Paul said he was full of physical weakness and pain. When verse 9, after he goes on to the last part where he talks about most gladly. Here I got this infirmity. Most people think it was an eye issue. Again, we don't really know. But therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, in my illnesses, hmm. that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, like being reproached, basically the idea there, the Greek word is the idea of being insulted. You like when somebody calls you names or mocks you? I'm not really fond of it. In necessities, when you don't have, not wants, but you don't have things that you legitimately need. In persecutions, when people are mistreating you because of your faith. In distresses, and of course when I look at that word and I talk about being in distress, I, I in our culture today, might shorten that saying in stress. Anybody got any stress? Paul says, in the middle of my stress. And then the key word for all these bad things that have happened, for Christ's sake. Mm, mm, mm. This is the dividing line. You see, this morning I could talk about, I could go to the mall, I could go to the football game, talk to a bunch of people, you know, many unbelievers who are not people of faith and say, hey, if you have any bad thing in your life, yeah. You ever been mistreated? Yeah. Has anybody ever mocked you? Yeah. I mean, all these things that happen to unbelievers just like us. Let's, let's be honest. Life in this sin-cursed world is not always pleasant, correct? But Paul makes it very clear that all this stress or much of it and the persecution and the infirmities, he took all of it and he took it for Christ's sake. He received it on behalf of Jesus and he recognized it was given in service to Jesus. You see, most, I don't say most, I, God, God only knows. I would submit to you that Many people who are Christians, they have been saved. They've received the free gift of eternal life. But they don't care at all what God really wants them to do in their life. They live their life their way. They go to church when it's convenient. And when they do go to church, they're easily offended. And then they quit. And then something bad happens. They say, well, if that's how Christians are, I'm not going to go. You know, I'll just, I'll just stay home and have my own little church. You know, okay. Uh, they can do that. Uh, the bottom line is, in this life, you're going to have a lot of stinky, terrible things that are going to happen to you. The difference is, are you going to receive them while you are actively and committedly serving your Savior to the glory of God, or are you just going to take them in your flesh? You take them this way, I promise you, you're not going to keep serving God. You're going to get angry at him. And I know some Christians 
who are living for themselves by and large, and then bad things happen, and that's when they get all spiritual. <laughs> sometimes, I'm not going to lie to you, and there are other pastors in here, some of you are watching online, I, sometimes I, I try to keep a straight face. I've had some folks that I, I, I'm not going to listen to anything specific. Let me just say that it is very clear they have very little interest in doing what God wants them to do and serving God in their life until something bad really happens. Then they want me over there praying for them, and they say, well, pastor, I know that God is just trying to teach me something. Yeah, he's trying to teach you to get right with him. Oh, it's not, oh, I'm just so, oh, I guess Satan's just, no, 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 no. You, you have all this bad stuff happening because you keep doing stupid things. But Paul said he received these things for Christ's sake. I came across a quote while I was preparing this from one of my heroes of the faith, um, one, of the, one of the guys ahead of me that understood the gift of salvation as a free gift, and that's D.L. Moody. And... Um, D.L. Moody is famous for saying this. He was talking about the rich man and Lazarus and Jesus, you know, the rich man had all the good stuff and Lazarus was poor. But here's what he said. I would rather beg for bread on earth like Lazarus than beg for water in hell like the rich man. Woo-wee, that's good. You might be in a place where you're begging and you're saying, where's my next meal coming? You might be emotionally in a, in a begging place where you say, my soul's been ripped out by somebody that wounded me very deeply and, and, and it hurts and I understand that and I'm not trying to say, neither is Paul, that the people that persecuted him are right doing it and I, you know my theology, I don't believe God's the author of sin, bless God, I don't think he's a, in him is no darkness at all, said John in 1 John, but, but bad things happen and God does allow in our lives things that, that, that go wrong but I would rather beg for bread in this life than beg for water in hell. Paul recognizes bigger picture and he accepted that and God's power comes through his grace through adversity and pain. You see, when you serve him and you have this active faith and you have this eternal perspective like Paul did. He'd been to heaven, the third, you know, been in the presence of God. Then God brought him back. Then God gave him this thorn to keep him, to keep him hum- humble. And, and, and Jesus' answer when he prayed is, my grace is sufficient for thee. It's sufficient grace. When you're hurting, choose to believe God's grace. You say, what does that mean? When you're hurting and somebody's betrayed you, you know what God's grace really comes down to? When you accept God's grace as a believer, it's a reminder that God loves you. God loves you. Is that enough? If We've got a lot of old people in here, so I can get a hearty amen. If, if, if you think that there's another human being on this planet that can fully meet the needs that God can meet, you are very much going to be disappointed. And when you come to the place that you and God are enough, you will evaluate your other relationships from a much healthier perspective. You can be a better husband or a better wife. Doesn't mean we don't draw strength from those around us. Don't misunderstand me. But don't lose sight of the fact that God says to you, my grace is sufficient for thee. When others hurt or reject you, Jesus says you're accepted in the beloved. That's grace. You know, he might not accept you, but God has accepted you. That's, that's God's grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. When you're in times of great need, we remember that his loving kindness is better than life. Didn't the psalmist say in, in Psalm 63 and verse number 3, because thy loving kindness, that's the Old Testament word for grace, because thy grace is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. 
my grace is sufficient for thee. When we suffer loss, when we lose somebody we love in this life and they go on to the next, do we remember God's loving kindness that caused him to draw me to himself? And that though these things hurt, as he says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. His grace is sufficient for you and for me. Do you see it this morning? You know, I'm so glad it says his grace is present tense available. It's available all the time. But I thought to myself, and do you ask, do you think the Lord loves you? Do you even think God likes you? I know a lot of Christians that would struggle with that answer. If you think, think God doesn't like you, then you have lost sense and sight of what his grace is. Do you believe that he can bring strength out of your weakness? Whatever it is that you have a deep pain this morning, something you've been praying about that God would remove and he's allowed it to just persist in your life, do you have enough faith to believe his grace is sufficient? Do you believe that his strength can be made perfect in your weakness? Do you believe that somehow by carrying that hurt, that pain, that issue in your life, that somehow, some way, that God in his, in his power and for his glory can utilize you to impact somebody for an eternal destiny? I do. The other day, I, I had to go to a, um, a, a doctor appointment. It was just, it was a well visit. It was a well visit to establish with a new doctor who's not really new to me, a doctor that had treated me for my, my autoimmune disease, um, and he went into general practice, so I've become his patient now in a different capacity, and we were going over the journey that God has called me to be on, and it occurred to me that I have lived with what I would consider my personal thorn in the flesh for over eight years now. And if you know anything, I've been at Open Door for 15 years. And it occurred to me that I have now been pastoring this church longer with an infirmity than I did when I was healthy. And I think most of my leadership would say that I think we've seen a greater demonstration of the power of God when I've been weak than when I was strong. Church, Live with this eternal perspective with heaven and hell in view. Live with God's will as your daily goal because life is a vapor. It's very likely, it's very possible that next year at this time, one or more of us won't even be here on this planet. I hope we're all gone. <laughs> I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker, amen? Amen, I look him. But if he doesn't return in the clouds, it's, some of us may not be here next year. Life is a vapor, one of the things that God's grace being sufficient is the grace to love the people around us because my life experience has been oftentimes the people that we love the most are the ones that can cause us the most pain. This is very true in a church family, a genuine family. If you want to be part of a genuine family here at Open Door, here's something I'm going to promise you. You have to stay through when one of the other family members says something stupid to you, says something hurtful to you, says something that is, they, ooh, they really should have thought that through. Yeah, they should have. But it's family. Come tell me and then I'll kick their backside and we'll fix it, okay? <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Grace. Love the people that God has put in your life. This morning when I'm going to end, I want to share with you my 
favorite Christmas gift. The kids would always tell you it's hard to buy something for the person that has everything. I don't, I don't so much have everything as pretty much I have everything I want. Generally, there is a BMW or Porsche or two I might not mind. I had got it, somebody got me a shirt. I meant to put that online. They didn't put that picture online, didn't they? Somebody gave me a t-shirt. A friend of mine here this morning gave me a shirt that said, I promise just one more car. Just one more car. Problem is my wife is worse about it than I am, so pray for us. But I don't have need of anything. And the kids are like, I don't know what to get you. So they got me something very unique that it's hard to surprise me. I can't come down there, Hunter. I'll probably fall, so you probably have to bring it up to me. Um, they don't want to see my weakness on display. It's live streamed. Um, uh, they got me a painting. Um, they commissioned a painter uh, here in Prattville that specializes in portraits. Isn't that beautiful? Now, we put it up on the screen. And now most of you know the little person there, right? Um, the other person is my grandmother. Now, you've heard me talk about my grandmother, and I, I, I don't want to start crying, so I don't want to get too emotional, but you know that I don't know. I would, I would not be who I am without her influence. I've shared with you many times that she was the arm of God's grace in my life when, you know, the world is telling you, everybody else is telling you, you're not going to make it, you're not good enough. My grandmother would never hear of that. She's only like four foot nine. I mean, I think I was taller than her when I was about third grade. Here you go, I'm going to hand this back to you so I don't drop it. Isn't that beautiful though? Good job, Allie. She gets bonus points for that. Um, But I looked at that and my son was teasing me. He goes, Dad, isn't that a little creepy? You know, because my grandmother's been, she passed away our first year. We'd been married about a year, so about 30, 34, 34 years ago. Um, she's been with the Lord for that length of time. And somehow, my daughter this, had this idea, and she took a picture of Addie, my granddaughter, and the painter morphed it together with a picture of my grandmother in her favorite chair, and you can't really, really see it, but my grandmother passed away in her sleep with her Bible in her lap, just like that. Yeah, what a way to go in the presence of God, right? And, and um, I, I kept thinking about why do I love this, and certainly these are two people that have helped me keep going when I promise you I wanted to quit. And I thought about this picture and it came to me as I was studying for this message this morning, my grace is sufficient for thee, that my grandmother represents God's grace to me in my past. And Addie, my grandchild, represents God's grace to me in my present. And seeing my grandmother and my granddaughter together shows me God's grace in the future. And in your life, according to the Lord Jesus Christ, his grace is sufficient for thee. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank you for the teaching and the principle of your word this morning. Thank you for your great grace. 
Your grace, as the song says, that is greater than all of our sin. My dear friend, if you're listening today or watching online, you may say to me, Pastor Ken, you just don't know the things I've done. No, I don't. I don't need to know the things you've done, but I do know this, that the Bible says that his blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus, is sufficient to wash away all sin, all sin. And today, the Holy Spirit of God, if you're watching, you feel it in your heart. If you're sitting here today and you don't know you're on your way to heaven, the Holy Spirit's probably talking to you, saying he's telling you the truth. Would you receive me by faith? Would you receive the gift and trust in me for your eternal life? Would you trust him today? Would you trust in Jesus, his finished work? He died for you and rose again. How about it, dear Christian? This morning, really, I've targeted us as believers. I know all of us live with thorns in our flesh in one way or another, different levels. And maybe there's something in your life you've been praying about, maybe for weeks, maybe for years, and it consistently brings you down. Maybe this morning the, the, the problem is you need to accept the fact that God's chosen to allow that in your life, and you need to accept and embrace His grace. Would you receive His grace this morning in that promise? Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you'd seal decisions. I'm so thankful that you know every life and every heart, every mind that is here this morning, those that are watching online. And God, I pray that as we go through and enter into 2023, that we would live as trophies of your grace, of your power, of your glory, and that we would be used by you, even and especially through our weakness, to touch a life for eternity. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand with me and Brother Joe? We're going to sing. If you want to come to the front and pray.